Hey homies, welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Queens podcast. I'm Lauren Page and I'm here with a special guest, Janelle, all the way from Maine. Janelle and I haven't known each other for a long time, but we kind of connected, I guess you could say, very quickly. And um, Janelle, thank you for coming on the podcast and tell everyone a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I was very honored when you asked. No one's ever asked me to do anything like this before, so I'm very excited. Um, But yeah, so you and I actually met because I was taking your family's photos when you were all up in Maine. So Mm -hmm. kind of a cool connection, and that's how we got to know each other. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so my name is Janelle, and I run and own Janelle Lightford Photo. So I am a photographer. And I specialize in portraiture and documentary photography. So yeah, that's a little bit about my business. Just like the very short description of I'm a photographer. I specialize in portraiture and documentary. Ooh, so that sounds so fancy. Okay. So I always love to ask people this question because I think there's a thread that kind of connects like you when you were younger to like what you're doing now. So what did you want to be when you grew up? Like this can be elementary school or this can be like middle school or high school. Kind of tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So I think growing up, I was always very like cognizant of what my future what I wanted my future to be, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So I originally went to school um, to study, well, I did study politics in school. And that was really because I wanted to become a lawyer. Um, So I went to school, I went to Bates College, and I majored in politics. And I also studied philosophy and Chinese while I was there. Um, So I wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted to be a human rights lawyer, actually, which kind of goes back to um, my adoption story. So I was adopted from Cambodia. And one of the um, factors in my adoption was the Cambodian genocide. And so I was very interested in um, genocide and human disasters and humanitarian rights. So as when I was younger, I was like, you know what, I want to fight for other people's rights. I want to protect other people. So my whole thing going into college was I'm going to become a lawyer. None of that happened, (laughs) which is is totally fine. Of course, I studied politics. But pretty much my whole like idea of being a lawyer and everything, it really just changed and not for really any reason or or another. It's just, you know what, maybe I don't want to be a lawyer. And um, it kind of led me to study abroad and to travel. And then that's kind of how I started my photography hobby, which now is my career. You just go straight to starting your photography journey. Yeah, so I went to college. So I started in the fall of 2009 and I graduated in 2013. Um, And right after I graduated, I moved to China for a job. Um, I had studied Chinese in college. I studied abroad in China when I was in college. So I knew I wanted to go back to China. Um, And I took an education consulting job in China. And then I had only planned to really be in China for one year, but Mm -hmm. that quickly turned into seven plus years. And uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing. I really never pictured myself living abroad for that long, mm-hmm. if not at all. But yeah, I was very, I was very fascinated by uh, living in such a different culture and like being an adult, not just being a student abroad in another culture, right. um, a living and working person. Uh-huh. <laughs> and another, it was just absolutely phenomenal. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And did 
you have any experiences or lessons in college that you took with you to help you get comfortable in Asia? Yeah. So like I said, I studied abroad for one semester in China my sophomore year, which was really amazing. I went with a bunch of other college students. We actually studied Chinese traditional medicine, which was like really unique and really cool. Um, So that was a really great way for me to be introduced to living in another culture. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, like it was really just so random that I ended up in China well maybe not random I did study Chinese but it was just kind of crazy that I I like graduated and I was like okay I'm gonna go move to China for a year Mm -hmm. but I um being a student at Bates College I had so many friends from the international community Mm -hmm. um one really great thing about Bates is that so many students are from all over the world or from all over the states um so that also really fascinated me like meeting so many different people having so many different um friends within my friend group from different places that also really intrigued me to want to move abroad and continue having those experiences Mm -hmm. That's good that you had that kind of community to encourage you in that way. (laughs) When you were over there, it's kind of, well, I would imagine I've done some like study abroad, but when you're over there for such a long period of time, was there any like fear, doubts about your decision while you were there or even before? Sure. Yeah. So when I studied, firstly, when I studied abroad, I was definitely very nervous. I had never really left home for a great deal of time. Like I grew up in Maine. I grew up in a really small town. So like the fact that I was like leaving the country and going to such a different country was crazy to me. And I was like very nervous. Um, But of course I was able to adjust fortunately very well, very easily. I was surrounded by a great group of friends that really helped. I had professors that really helped as well. Um, And so that really just set the stage for me to be able to move abroad. full time when I graduated college. And of course it was absolutely terrifying, like getting on a plane completely by myself, landing in China, (laughs) where I flew into, I think I flew into Shanghai. So I like landed in Shanghai and I was like, okay, I'm here. And then like uh, the company that I had worked for or that I was hired by and that I was going to be working for they had told me okay well when you get off the plane you're going to have to like find the train station and like take this like train to this city and then like get on the bus and like transfer and I was like why can't someone just pick me from the airport it was like so insane Mm -hmm. I had like all my luggage and everything. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so fortunately I just like took it like moment by moment and just like had to keep like taking in deep breaths and like, (laughs) I bet. but yeah, I mean, I made it, I made it to my hotel. So, you know, everything was good, but it was just really crazy. Like the first like week it was Mm -hmm. like being in China and I have like two, my life is in two suitcases and I guess we're doing it. (laughs) Yeah, kind of just have to go for it sometimes. Yep. While you were there, what exactly did you do? I know you did some photography, but can you tell us a little bit about um, the details? Sure, yeah. So I actually took a job with an education management company. So I was working with high school students who were, who were planning to study abroad in the U.S. or Canada or some sort of, uh, or another Western country. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
working with high school students with their um, common apps, with their college essays, and really just preparing them for the Western college university experience. Um, So I did that for my first year. And then my second year, I, what did I do my second year? Oh, I continue. I, what did I do? Sorry. It's so long ago. So I did that from 2013 to 2014. And then from 2014 to 2015, I ended up taking a job as a high school teacher in a very remote, um, very, very remote city in China. Mm -hmm. And where my photography started. So I was literally in the middle of nowhere. There was like one other like native English speaker mm-hmm. at like the city. Um, but that was like two hours away from me. So I was basically the only native English speaker in that whole entire like Chinese city. It was like crazy. So um, another really interesting thing about it was that it was not internationalized at all. Like there was no, there's literally no McDonald's. Like basically when you're in China, like you kind of gauge how internationalized and how westernized a city is based on like how many McDonald's it has, how many Starbucks it has. Mm-hmm. Like there was like, you couldn't even find peanut butter. Like it was kind of insane. Yeah. yeah. And- Um, I was like, wow, this is such an amazing experience. Like I should just start taking photos of like everything that I see and everything that I'm experiencing so that I could show my friends and family back home because it's one thing to like tell them about it, but like another to be able to like actually show them. Um, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like start taking photos of like everyday life, um, and just post them on Facebook, post them, you know, online, Mm -hmm. um, from there, that's really where my like documentarian aspect kind of came to play. Like I was really just documenting everyday life. Um, and it turns out that people really liked my photos. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this. And so I started what I called the human experience. Um, and I just started taking like photos of everyone that I saw just doing like everyday things, whether it be like cooking or cleaning or taking care of their families, just out and about shopping. Um, So really just anything that I saw, I was like, you know what, this is the human experience. Like this is real and raw everyday life. Um, And I was fascinated by it and I was living there. So I'm like, you know what, I bet people who are not living here would be even more fascinated by it. So um, yeah, that's kind of where my photography started. And then I stayed in China for another two years. I ended up moving to a different city because as much as I loved living in the middle of nowhere, I was like, you know what? I need Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> I like need shopping malls. I like need other, cause at the time I was only 23, 24 years old. I'm like, I need other people my age mm-hmm. and then go out with. Um, so I ended up moving to a bigger city um, and I still continued my photography there. So mm-hmm. yeah, kind of just started all from that like random move to the middle of nowhere and then yeah it kind of just took off yeah that's so amazing to see like the progression and did you teach yourself are you self-taught and like everything with photography (laughs) yeah so I had rewind a little bit I had actually after my first year of living in China I had come back home for just a few months because I was planning on moving to Thailand actually and um, I had bought a camera for Thailand. Um, so I like, I basically just went into Best Buy and I was like, I've never owned a camera before. Like, what do you recommend for like a DSLR? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, 
here's this one and I ended up buying a Nikon D3200. So that was my very first camera. And I was like using like the kit lens that it came with it. So like mm-hmm. my photos were like not very good at all. Um, They're just like very like straight out of the box. Like I'm just going to like see what happens. Well, of course I didn't end up moving to Thailand when I thought it, I did move to Thailand later, but not when I thought right. it was going to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, in China, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go out and like start taking photos see where it goes. And then I realized that like, I can find so many free resources on YouTube, on Google. So I kind of just like started watching all these YouTube tutorials. Um, I think I joined uh, Skillshare to learn a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know Skillshare. Well, so yeah, and th- that was brand new to me. I was like, it was kind of crazy. And just like googling random things like how do I take a photo of this or like what camera setting should I use because at the time I had no idea like everything was on auto like autofocus like auto shoot like Mm -hmm. so bad in all of my photos like most of the time it was out of focus like I had no idea what I was doing but I was like you know what this is like fun so I'm just gonna like go for it um so yeah definitely all self-taught and I think the biggest takeaway is just like being out there and just like shooting like you're never gonna learn or you're never going to improve unless you get out there and like take photos because like I definitely like looking back on my photos I'm like wow that was a really terrible photo but like at the time I was like really proud of that (laughs) because I had never done it before but definitely like I'm all for like going to school for like learning skills and everything but at the same Mm -hmm. time I just learned everything myself. And I think the one thing that I always tell other people is that you can't go to school for creativity. Like you can't Mm -hmm. go, can't learn how to be creative. Like that's just something that you either have, or that's something that you're constantly developing. So it didn't really make sense for me to go to photography school. I know that it works for some people, but for me, I'm like, you know what? I'm out here just doing it on my own and I'm just going to learn as I go. And also I'm like, I don't have the time or money to go to photography school. So, (laughs) and I'm also in China. So, (laughs) right. Yes. I took one photography class at like the Atlanta, I think it was like Atlanta photography school. I know these days, like Instagram makes it seem some type of way. No, it is not (laughs) that (laughs) easy okay I um immediately when I tried to start like a little blog I was like yeah Yeah. no this is not this is not where I shine basically so (laughs) yeah and I that's funny that you say that because I feel like I would just be really discouraged going to photography school because I know that like you improve by like being critiqued and like constructive criticism but for me like I was so new to it I feel like if anyone criticized my photos I would just like break down and be like I'm so terrible at this Mm -hmm. I'm just like so I think for me also I'm like I need to build that self-confidence myself like I don't want to have like some professor who's like a seasoned professional who's like been in the business for 30 years like telling me that my photos are bad like I know they're bad I don't need (laughs) tell me (laughs) that they're bad like I will learn how to like improve that myself so yeah I just I don't think I would have been able to like deal with the pressure of like because like also I think photography can be very subjective like there are so many photographers out there and we all each have our very unique styles and so like my style may not be someone else's style and that's totally fine Mm -hmm. so I think also one reason I'm like I don't know if my style would match like a schools, like what the school is looking for. And like, I don't want to like firstly 
spend all my time and money on a place if they don't appreciate my artwork. And secondly, it's like, I'd rather just like develop those skills on my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes me think of, because I went to a fairly like creative university and Mm -hmm. it was either like you're a music business major or you're a nursing (laughs) student and I fell on like the music business entertainment industry side and just hearing about even just as far as like musicians or even like artists drawing painting all Mm -hmm. that stuff it can get and you can get into like comparison like especially when your professors are like I don't know if you sing very well or like I don't know if you're cut out for this or whatever it can be very like discouraging even though you're like no I really like want to do this and like have passion for it so I do think there's some good parts about going to college or university at at some point because I had had good experiences Mm -hmm. but also there's that like other side where it's kind of question things a lot exactly yeah like I feel like for these like very specific like niche almost jobs it's like you can get like I said before like there are so many free resources on YouTube especially and then like Skillshare that's like I don't know how much it is a month but like it's a very small fee like to learn and that like LinkedIn um if you have LinkedIn premium there are a lot of classes there and then I think I used to be part of Linda um L-Y-N-D-A I think it's changed names but I think I was part of that for a while so there are so many like um training programs or whatnot um that you don't have to pay an an arm and a leg for and it's also like self-paced which I think is really great yes I definitely recommend Skillshare I've taken some classes Mm-hmm. It's been helpful and fun too. Yeah, for sure. So I have a one question. This is kind of out of order, but yeah, since sure. you mentioned uh, social media, I'm always intrigued by the fact of like how professional photographers <laughs> feel about, I don't know, just like, I don't want to say like amateur photography, just about social media and Instagram in general. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, like, I think that it's really easy to like, kind of take criticism really, really hard. And I think that social media can do that. Um, For example, like when I started posting photos, like Instagram was not super popular still. Like, I don't even think that it came out until like, what, 2012 or something. So when I started posting, it was only like 2013, 2014. Mm -hmm. So fortunately for me, I didn't have a lot of like, likes, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really like that wasn't a thing yet. Like, I think if you got like three likes, like that was like a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I that um, with social media, for me as a professional photographer, I think that sometimes it's hard because it seems like everyone's a critic. Like, you know, everyone on social media has something to say about somebody else or something else, you know, whether you mean harm or not, like Mm -hmm. everyone's on social media. And so I think as a professional photographer, seeing other people post photos that they've taken just with their iPhone or their cell phone and seeing them get like a thousand likes. And like, I'm like posting photos with my like several thousand dollar camera and lens and I'm getting like five likes. I'm like, come on, like, <laughs> like what's going on here? Yeah. You know? 
And so, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I think that's great that other people have social media as an outlet to post their photos. But sometimes for me, it is maybe a little discouraging because it's like, I've taken so much time to like, not only take this photo, but also edit this photo and like really like compose it and then like post it on social media. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is going to do so well on the feed. Like the algorithm is going to, algorithm is going to love it. Mm -hmm. And then I get like, 10 likes and I'm like <laughs> what's going on mm-hmm. so it's kind of a, I mean I think social media is really good um just for exposure in general I mean I've gotten a lot of clients I've gotten a lot of business from my Instagram even if I may not have a huge following like I think I have like 1400 followers on Instagram maybe 10 percent not even 10 percent probably like five percent engage with my posts but I'm like that's also fine for me because I don't use Instagram as my main platform for Um, like advertising or like my business. I know a lot of photographers really do rely on Instagram, which is great. But for me, I've never really, like I didn't have Instagram for the longest time, but like everyone was like, you need to have Instagram if you're going to be a photographer. And I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. But now like it's like moved to reels and like videos. So I'm like, yeah, now it's like, (laughs) what do I do now? (laughs) I mean, I think I also love seeing like, I don't want to say amateur, but like maybe non-professionals or maybe just hobbyists. I think it's really cool to see other people like posting their photos because I remember when I was just like that, I'm just like kind of posting mm-hmm. whatever I want and just like, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think that photographers are on there just to express themselves and like post what they want to post, which I think is great. And I think that's what social media should be for anyway. I don't think it should be like a make it or break it platform for your like business. I mean, yeah. maybe some, but <laughs> I've heard stories of people saying like that kind of Instagram and starting mm-hmm. there in like the early days of Instagram, like mm-hmm. catapulted their career. Yeah. And then some people are just like annoyed by it because yeah. it's like, everyone thinks they're so good and yeah. You know, yeah. all of that stuff. So I was just interested yeah. to see. Yeah. What no, that's so true. I mean, like I said before, yeah, sometimes I like, I don't want to say I get annoyed, but I'm like, like I said with that, like when people just like post random photos with their like cell phones that they've taken with their cell phones and they're getting like thousands of likes and like me, like I've like studied how to take a photo, like I've composed the shot and like I spent hours editing it. Yeah, that does. I'm like, come on, like what's going on here? But otherwise I'm like, you know what, just for me, I just post what I, I mean, i don't post as often as I should. I should be better at that. But I also don't follow the rules on, of like, because I know that photographers are like, you need to have a coherent feed. You need to have like this aesthetic. And I'm like, I do not have time for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't have time. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's why, you know, this podcast is called Uncommon Queens because, you know, we just don't, we don't have to follow rules all the time. I know I don't always follow rules of social media. Which is so refreshing because it's like, it just like, I just post what I want to post when I want to post it. Or if I have like a spare moment, I'm like, oh, I should post this photo. Like I'll post it. But otherwise I'm like, I don't, like, I know that like all these, like, I don't know what you call them, like social media, so-and-so they're always like, if you want to be successful on the gram, you have to post X amount of times a day. Like I don't have time to post 10 times a day. I'm sorry. I don't (laughs) Like that's a full-time job in and of itself. <laughs> right, right, right. That's, I guess, why social media managers can make money these mm-hmm. days. Yep. 
So I guess going back to um, you talking about your time in China and everything, I would love to know, was there particular things, because I know you mentioned to me that it was kind of a, a shift to come back to the States. What are some like lessons that you took from being there that you implement now? Sure. Yeah. So I was there. I lived in Asia for a little over seven years. So I definitely learned a fair share (laughs) of life lessons, personal lessons, professional lessons. Um, So I think the one takeaway after living in Asia for so long is like, there is no one that's going to advocate for you more than yourself. When I moved to China, like there was no one that I knew in the entire country of China, like not one single soul. Like if I wasn't advocating for myself, like who else was going to do it? And I kind of just took that with me wherever I went. Like no matter what city I was living in, I moved so many times when I lived in Asia. I was in China, I was in Thailand, I was in South Korea, and I moved within those countries as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And if there wasn't, if I wasn't asking questions, if I wasn't like, okay, this isn't right. Or like, I need this. Can, can you do this for me? Or if you're not going to do it, like, how can I do it? Like I was always having to advocate for myself. So Mm -hmm. I think moving back, that's also why I think I have been able to turn this into my full-time job as quickly as I have, because I advocate for myself. I'm always talking about my business. I give my business cards out to everyone, even if they don't Mm -hmm. want that, I will leave them. (laughs) places even if like I think I left my business cards like on the table at VIP auto like <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. myself you know I'm just yeah. leaving my business cards everywhere and I think that's the one take. there's no one else in the world that's going to advocate you for you as much as you're going to advocate for yourself like even if your mom loves you and like is talking about yeah. you all the time like it it goes a long way to always be doing it for yourself as well mm-hmm. um and I think also just having that sense of um, confidence and like being really sure of yourself. So like in Asia, it's so easy to get caught up and just be like, maybe complacent, I think, because life is pretty as an expat. And for me, I'm, this is completely hundred percent my experience and my opinion, but as an expat in China and Thailand and South Korea, your life is pretty easy. <laughs> like, like your job, usually takes care of your housing it usually takes care of like all the logistics so you basically can just like go to work and then like you know kind of like play on the weekends and like because most most expats um at least the ones that I interacted with they don't they didn't have families or anything so they're just all like kind of young professionals just like living out there and so you also have to become really aware and like confident in yourself you can't like you don't want to become complacent like Right. That's where you, that's where I feel like I lost my confidence sometimes because I'd be like, you know, what, I'm just kind of like doing the same thing over and over again. Like everyone else is doing this. Like, I don't even know if I'm that good. Like, mm-hmm. like not even just like in photography, just like in general in my life. Like, I don't even know if I'm not smart. Like I'm teaching yeah. ESL, like, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I think having that, like, you know what, I am a really smart person. Like I'm really good at my job. Like I can do this. Like I'm out here living on my own. I think that goes a long way and that I've taken that experience and coming back to Maine. Um, Cause I was gone for so long. I like almost forgot how to live, <laughs> live in the U S so I'm like, yeah. you know what? 
I am confident. Maybe my photography is not what everyone else like wants in Maine, but like, I know I'm pretty good at photography. So like, I kind of just had to like, keep saying that to myself over and over again. I think I would like browse just like local photographers, like on social media or like Facebook or whatever. And I would see their photos And I'd be like, oh, wow, those photos are so good. But like, that's not my style at all. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so like for me, I'm like, well, maybe I'm not a good photographer if like, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how photos of like a family at an apple orchard. Like, that's just not my style. And that Mm -hmm. just because not my style doesn't mean that it's not good. I love other photographers who can do that. But for me, I'm like, I have no idea how to set the scene. (laughs) orchard or like a pumpkin patch you know yes that's funny but I was talking to someone fairly recently about (laughs) just jobs and Mm -hmm. as young women just Mm -hmm. navigating trying to advocate for yourself so I'm so glad that you were (laughs) good at that because I'm not and I would I think I'm just starting to being more confident about my podcast Mm -hmm. but like in a a job sense I'm like not I'm like okay don't hurt me (laughs) yeah yeah. so I take all the tips that I can get yeah Yeah. sure yeah and I think that goes back to what I was saying like me becoming really sure of myself and becoming confident because if I wasn't confident and if I wasn't sure of myself I wouldn't be able to advocate for myself as much as I do like Mm -hmm. and I think that everyone suffers from imposter syndrome no doubt like even if you don't think you suffer from it like you probably do in some in some regard and I think that's and like I think it should be more normalized more than it is um so I think like for me it's just been like living abroad if something wasn't happening like I knew I had to take the initiative like for example like living in South Korea just recently like so many things like happened light bulb in my apartment like run out and like I didn't reach it you know and so I like talked to my school manager I'm like well can someone like I can't use the bathroom well because there's no light in there and they're like oh we'll call someone well you know just like give it a few I'm like no it needs to be fixed now like it's like Mm -hmm. it's small things like that where you have to advocate it's like you're either going to fix my bathroom light or you're going to like put me in a hotel or something else so that I can actually use my bathroom because I can't see (laughs) (laughs) so it's things like that and so I think just being like really confident and like sure of yourself when you're going into those conversations I think goes a long way because if you like walk up to your manager or your boss or someone and you're like super timid and like unsure like they're gonna feel that and they're gonna be like you know what she's timid and she's unsure so we're gonna take advantage of her or like she's just like do whatever we say but it's like if I walk in there like you like I will have a presence and it's like don't mess with me because I'm very (laughs) yeah yeah you know what I mean? And I think that takes some time to learn. I mean, I'm still learning how to like be more professional, I guess, and like network really well and be really confident in myself. But it's definitely taken, I mean, I'm 31 now. So it's like definitely taken me like at least half my life to even get right. <laughs> a confidence that I have now. Yes. And I think I've heard it's just like find the things, find your strengths. Mm-hmm that you have and like play off of that. I don't know if I necessarily like the like fake it till you make it aspect of Mm -hmm. that, 
of like some things that people say, but like, I found if you like focus on your strengths and like really kind of hype yourself up in that way Mm -hmm. that, and like come from it, from that angle, it helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so exactly. I mean, and that's the thing, like, especially when you meet new people, like they usually know very little about you. So you can kind of like create almost this persona Mm -hmm. and like a confident in that persona like it'll basically just flow like yeah I'm actually having a conversation with one of my coworkers at um my previous job in Korea and they're like yeah like the other like teachers they're like really intimidated by you and like I almost was like good (laughs) (laughs) like because I was like I think sometimes me being intimidating just it's because I think that comes off as like intimidating because I'm so confident and sure of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that as women, especially like we're always told, okay, you need to be submissive. Like being overconfident makes, makes other people like not like you. They like, no one will want to be around you. Like you're not going to come off as like the nice girl. And it's like, well, you can still be like, I consider myself still a nice person, you know, but also I'm very confident and like, you're not going to talk down to me firstly in the office. Like you're not going to push me around. Like if you do, like I will stand up for myself. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where we always are told, okay, um, just, just be the bigger person and deal with it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, that like is true in many situations, but like if you're in a professional workplace and you're constantly being talked down to, if you're constantly being pushed around and maybe not even in your professional life, maybe even in your personal life, like, Mm -hmm if you are constantly dealing with that, then people think that's okay to treat you that way. And they're going to continue. Mm -hmm. So like having that like intimidating presence, I think I say intimidating, I'm putting in quotation marks, I think it's also very beneficial because then they're like, okay, she's confident of herself. If we go after her, like she's going to bite back. So let's not, and I mean, they shouldn't be going after anyone anyway, but um, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you portray a certain persona, like people will like definitely fall in line as long as you're confident in that persona (laughs) yeah I have to listen back to this and repeat this to to myself (laughs) when I did meet you in Maine you were spoke a little bit about your business and how much grown it's grown even more since then um but just like take us through a little bit about how you started and like where you are now Sure. Yeah. So like I said, I was doing just like documentary photography in Asia. Um, And then when I moved to South Korea, I actually started doing um, fashion photography. And then I started, I had like one really random like experience with like, I don't know if you want to, I guess she's an, she's like a fashion influencer. And she like, she was like visiting Korea and she like contacted me through Instagram anyway like she like paid me to take her photos and I was like wow people actually like I knew this but Mm -hmm. I was like oh wow people will actually pay me to like take their photos and I was like okay well I should like take this into consideration and so when I moved back um moved back to Maine I actually was applying to just like regular nine to five jobs just like pretty much in any and every field because I was like I don't know don't know what I want to do like I just worked in ESL for like eight years, seven, eight years. I'm like imposter syndrome, like mega. Cause I'm like, I've only ever taught like nursery school. Like no one's ever going to hire me. You know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. just like, anyway, 
I interviewed for a few places. Nothing was working out. Like I didn't feel good about the companies. Um, and not because they weren't good companies, but I was just like, I don't even think I want to work here. You know, like yeah. I'm just going through the motions because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I think I was talking to my older brother and he was like, why don't you just do photography full time? And I was like, right. Why, why, why don't I? Like, <laughs> duh. Why didn't this not occur to me until <laughs> right now? Mm-hmm. And so that was like all the way back in May. So I moved back at the end of February and in May... I filed for an LLC. So then I became officially Janelle Lifer Photo LLC. And I was like, okay, well now I'm official, mm-hmm. but I don't have any clients. So like, how do I get clients? And like I said, I was gone for so long. So a lot of people in Maine already have their photographer. Like they already either knew a photographer that they wanted to work with, or like they had been going to a photographer for years. So I'm like, okay, well, how do I get clients? And so I literally just like posted on Facebook, like, hey, looking to grow my portfolio, giving out free photo shoots, like message me. And so much to my surprise, I had like five people like message me, like anytime you say free people, like people love it. So <laughs> recommend. Um, and so I did photos for like my cousin and then for some like close friends. And then I just posted those on Facebook and on my Instagram And it turns out that one of the photos that one of the free shoots that I did, well, her friend saw them and she's like, oh, do you think she'd be like willing to like photograph my wedding? Like we don't have a big budget or anything. Um, And so she ended up reaching out to me and I was like, honestly, at this point, I probably would have photographed the wedding for free, but you know, um, (laughs) but anyway, so I ended up agreeing to photograph her wedding that was going to be happening in July. And like, it kind of just grew from there. And so once I like got all of my like LLC um, forms in and like my tax information and I was able to start charging people because that that was another thing. Like um, there's a lot of like rules and laws around like charging people like and charging them taxes and everything. So I had to like get that figured out before I could actually start charging. So it was kind of, it worked out really well because I was like, well, I can't even legally charge you anyway. So might as well all these free shoots. So once I was like legal considered, um, or considered legal, I was like able to start charging. And so I started my prices like super low, like embarrassingly low. Like I was charging like $50 for an hour and like, like it was insane, but I was like, this is how I'm clients. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and just kind of went from there. And then I like, I had a website, but it wasn't geared at all towards like portraiture or anything. Like I knew nothing about like SEO or like (laughs) how how are people going to find me? So I like completely redid my website. Um, And then I started getting like traffic from Google. um, And then I started getting leads, which like happened like very quickly. And then I joined um, two websites. Um, I joined Thumbtack. highly recommend and then I also joined Bark which I think is how your family found me yes my mom <laughs> yes so highly recommend so all of my leads either come from my website but mostly I want to say like 80% come from Thumbtack and Bark combined so great resources and then like Instagram and Facebook I do get like 
some lead. I, I definitely have gotten business from both of those platforms, but I definitely like focus most of my attention on Thumbtack and Bar. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And like I said before, like I'm just like constantly advocating for myself on those websites. So even if it's so, like on Thumbtack, the way it works is like most of the time clients will reach out to you, but they'll also like post it just in general, like looking for a photographer, X, Y, Z. And so I will like follow up on those leads. I'll be like, Hey, like, I know you didn't contact me first, but I saw your posting. Like, this is a little bit about me. This is in my portfolio. Like, let me know if you want to like book a shoot. And it doesn't always turn into a booking, but a lot of times, pretty much 75% of the time, it'll lead to a conversation at least. And then sometimes it leads to a booking, but a lot of times they've already contacted like specific photographers Mm -hmm. um, and they'll go with them, which is like totally fine. But like I said, like so many times, like I've been told no, quote unquote, or like, Hey, like we already found a photographer or like, maybe like my style isn't what they're looking for this or that. And then like, you have to kind of take that and be like, okay, how can this help me improve for like the next time that I want to do this? Um, so yeah, I started with one paying client in June, June or July. And what's today? What the November 11th. Yeah. And now I have 94 clients. So it like, like it definitely took off a lot faster than I had expected. I'm very grateful for it, but I feel like at the same time, like I'm playing catch up. Like I feel like a lot of people going into business, like they already have their business plan. They have like monthly targets and like, mm-hmm. you know, like so they're prepared when it happens. But for me, I was just like, Oh, I want to get as many clients as I can. Mm-hmm. I have, but I'm also like exhausted. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think the one good thing that I did do, I did hire an accountant to like deal with all of my taxes and like just do my bookkeeping because if there's one thing that I'm not good at, it is math. So yep, same. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Hire. I need to hire someone else. But yeah, so just like having so many clients, like pretty much happen within like a span of like three or four months was really insane to me. Um, I'm very grateful for it. Like definitely every day I wake up and I'm like, wow, I did that. Like Mm -hmm. that was me. Like I advocated for myself, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm like, wow, I'm so exhausted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So exhausted. Cause I think, um, what people don't realize about having your own business is like, you can't really call out, like you are your own. Like there's no substitute that will step in for you when you're like I can't do this today like it's just you and so I mean I think it's really rewarding to be able to like sit here and be like oh I have like 90 something clients and like it happened in a span of like three or four months Um, but at the same time it's like okay how can I be a better business owner and like learn to say no to things and like manage my time better because I think that that's really important as well as like okay I have all these clients, but how can I serve them better? Firstly, it's like, don't stretch myself too thin. So like taking on fewer clients next year. And that's something that I really, really want to work toward is like taking on fewer clients so that I can devote more time to the clients that I do have. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the other things is like, I'm still like editing galleries from like October, like, (laughs) you know, and I feel badly because it's like, I want to, to be able to deliver the gallery so much quicker, but I literally like, there's only 31 days in October and I had 27 shoots. 
months in October. Like (laughs) I didn't have time to like edit them as quickly as I wanted to. And so I think that's also like one of the biggest lessons is like me learning to say no. I actually like turned down like three clients in the past week because I'm like, I just don't have time. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Okay. (laughs) It was very difficult because I was like, oh, I want to say yes so badly, but I don't have time. I'm like very like, I'm still kind of in awe at like how fast it like took off. But mm-hmm. now I'm like, okay, now I need to like go back and like work on the back end. Like, okay, how can I be, how can I like streamline this better so that I don't have to like take on as much work? Um, like whether it be raising my prices or just like taking on more of like a different type, like more wedding so I can do fewer portrait sessions. Um just like kind of figuring out my numbers so that I can still be like financially stable, which is, I think another thing that's kind of crazy. It's like, everyone's like, oh, well then don't take on as so many, like as many shoots as you do. And I'm like, that's true. But like, that's also how I make money. And like, that's my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, yes, I bring it on myself, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I also need to pay my bills and like live and like, it's a catch 22 almost saw something and I keep seeing things about how that entrepreneurs have so many so much higher like burnout rate struggle mentally because it can be lonely that you thought about like you know boundaries and everything because I think that a lot of people probably deal with you know trying to have boundaries but also you know like you said like you have to live and you know everything else so yeah and I think that like when you're like first starting out you're just so excited and you like want to say yes to everything Mm -hmm. yeah that's really great because like I'm always like oh this would be such a great um great photo shoot to add to my portfolio but it's like can I really do three shoots in one day no like Mm -hmm. I've done it before I I've been doing it and it's just like not sustainable Mm -hmm. and so like for me I keep just rationalizing it as like okay this is my first year doing it so now I've like learned all these lessons and I can take it into 2022 and like really apply myself more appropriately um because now I have I'm now leasing a commercial studio um Mm -hmm. which I'm super excited about like that was another thing I'm like Mm -hmm. I literally from like one client in July and now I'm like I have enough like revenue and enough clients to be like okay I'm gonna rent an 835 square foot commercial studio <laughs> uh, yay. Just, like, I love like telling everyone about it because even if no one else is like and I want to say impressed I think impressed like gives a negative con- connotation sometimes but like even if no one else is like oh that's amazing like you have no idea how hard I worked <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> board a commercial studio like kind of insane so yeah I'm hoping that also helps with like my time management because then I'm like okay I don't have to because right now I live in central Maine but a lot of my photo shoots are either in southern Maine Mm -hmm. or in Bar Harbor like yours was which is like two hour drive from me I'm like okay hopefully I can just like be at my studio and then like have clients come to me that'll also help with yeah yeah I was gonna ask what all do you see for the studio but you kind of mentioned that clients come and would you have like backdrops yeah so the space that I'm renting um it's absolutely amazing it's in an old mill and so my particular studio has great natural light which is something that I really wanted um 
and it's um, painted white. So ideally I will have backdrops, um, but I can also just like use the, the plain walls as well. Um, and ultimately what I want is to have like a really great, like client experience, I guess you want to say with the studio. So ideally I want to have, like I'm on like Wayfair and like all these furniture places every day, like big comfy couches and like, just like a good, like comfortable setting. Um, even for like meeting and consulting with clients. Um, cause a lot of times like clients will be like, Oh, we want, we really want to like me and this and that. And it's just like, now I'll have a space be like, Oh, come to my studio. And we can like talk about, you know, whatever photo shoot you want. And so just like having like a client closet, that's also one thing that I really want. So I know a lot of people are like, we don't know what to wear or we like, we don't want to go buy an outfit just for this photo shoot. So like being Mm -hmm. able to offer them like a client closet, I think really awesome. And just like having like portraiture sessions there, especially like having um, young families. I know that when we go to like the two light state park and like all these outdoor places, sometimes it gets really chaotic with so many other people there. And so like having a controlled space or a controlled environment, I think will also rest a lot of like worry. <laughs> Put yeah. to rest it's like, okay, I don't want my kid running into the ocean. Like, oh, okay, we'll come to my or she can't do that. <laughs> that will help. That will help. <laughs> having that. And like, I think for me also having a separate space for me to work, I think will be really important just because like right now my computer and everything is like literally in my bedroom. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I just like work all the time. Cause it's like, Oh, I, my computer's here. I should just be working, but now I can like separate. (laughs) I feel like I'll be myself and my business, which will really allow me to have a better balance. Hopefully it will happen. May not be overnight, but the last couple of questions I wanted to ask you was, What is one piece of advice you would give your 25-year-old self? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, Probably there's always something better coming. Mm -hmm. Like whatever misses, whatever you think has left you, left for a good reason. Because there's always something better that's going to come. So for me, it's like, whether it be like, okay, this job didn't work out. That means a better job is coming. Okay. This apartment didn't work out. A better apartment is going to come up. Um, this relationship didn't work out. A better relationship will, will happen. And so I think when you're in your twenties, um, I don't want to say like that, like I'm so old, but I think yeah, you're not at all. like, I don't like I'm 31, but like when you're in your, I feel like a lot of things, and especially as a teenager, um, you think that everything is so permanent and like, it's hard to imagine anything different. Whenever like something bad happens to you, it's totally normal to be like, this is the worst thing in the world to happen to me. And like really like soak in those feelings and understand why you're feeling that way, but also being able to take those feelings and like use them as tools to like help you make either better decisions in the future or to like help propel you forward. Because I think one of the things that I did a lot in my 20s was I would dwell on something for so long and like it never, I never used those feelings to like help me. I just like use them as like a pity party basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, I think we all, I think we all deserve to have a pity party. Like it's totally normal to be like, this day sucks. My life right. sucks. Yeah. And like sit there and cry. Like I totally recommend it. Just like 
cry if you yes, need to cry. Crying's great. Yes. <laughs> in yourself up and be like, okay, this happened and that's done. So like mm-hmm. how like shape me or how is this going to help me move forward to something better? Mm-hmm. Cause like when I was 25, what was I doing? I think I was in Thailand still. I was either in, I was in China moving to Thailand and like, I just felt like so many things, like I went through a breakup, like I like left my job and I was like, what's happening? Like, and ultimately that led me to just impulsively move, which is another story, impulsively <laughs> move to Thailand. Yeah. Um, but I think like looking back and honestly at any age, just like realizing that there's always something better that's coming. So whatever is not happening. Whatever you think has left you basically is just, it wasn't meant for you and it's going to hurt, probably going to hurt a lot, but like you got to move on from it. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Ooh, that wisdom. Yes. Okay. My other question is what do you have, what advice do you have for people wanting to start their own business? Sure. Um, I think the one, the best piece of advice is just go for it. Like I started out with zero clients, literally, like that's not even an exaggeration. (laughs) It's literally like, I'm going to start a photo photo business and that's that. And Mm -hmm. I didn't have a single client, literally no clients, but like, like everything that I've mentioned before, like advocating for yourself, being confident, getting out there, like gaining experience that all will like serve you really well like it's going to be really hard and there are so many times that I was like I'm just gonna quit like I don't have enough clients I'm just gonna give up like this clearly isn't meant for me like I haven't had any leads like in two weeks or like you know like just Mm -hmm. normal. you're like down on yourself but like basically you just have to go for it like if you love something enough it will work out it may not work out in the time that you want it to work out and it may not work out in the way that you want it to work out, but it is working itself out. And like, I think that as women, especially we were always told, okay, well just get married and have kids and like be a stay at home mom, which there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. If you're a home mom and like, that's what you want. I totally support you. Like I couldn't do it. It's, yeah. it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But for me, but like, I think a lot of women are like, you know what, well, maybe I shouldn't like be an entrepreneur, like at 20 something years old, at 30 something years old, at 40 something years old. It's like, it doesn't matter how old you are, firstly. Yeah. And secondly, you should just go for it. Because like, there are so many other people, I can't remember who I was talking to, but they were saying like, there are so many other people that are half as good as you, but are twice as successful because they just decided to go for it. And I think that's so true. Like there are so many other entrepreneurs, so many other photographers, so many X, Y, Z that probably have half, that have half the skill that you have or half the talent that you have, but they are as as successful as they are because they just decided to go for it. And I I think like the one big thing is like, even if everyone in your life is like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not saying like make a million dollar investment <laughs> without like a plan in mind, but like, if you really love something, like go for it. Like when I first started taking photos, people would be like, Oh, like, what do you want? Like, do you want to be a photographer? This and that. I'm like, yeah, like I want to do this full time. And they're, and they would kind of just like laugh at me. Like everyone wants to be a photographer. Like, yeah. or what I would say is like, Oh, I'd love to be like a travel photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of be like, 
that's so cute. Like you want to be a photographer and it's like fast forward seven years and it's like, well, now I am, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like even, that's so cute that you want to be a photographer, like with your little camera and, and, and like camera mm-hmm. back. Okay. Like, t- t- like back then I was like, oh, maybe that is a dumb idea or like, mm-hmm. why would I think that? But like now I'm like so grateful I didn't give up because I wouldn't be where I am today mm-hmm. if I had all of those, those people who are like, and I think a lot of, a lot of times people who say that they are very regretful or resentful in their own lives. And that's, they just like, that's their way of like projecting onto st- you. Exactly. Yeah. Like projecting, like don't let anyone project on you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that's why sometimes I feel like you need to kind of protect your, like whatever your idea or anything and it's like infancy phase mm-hmm. because a lot of people can like try to put their opinions on it like you were saying mm-hmm. and it will just kind of well at least me and my overthinking brain it will kind of yeah. sometimes eat you alive um but yeah this is great thank you so much for coming on absolutely it was fun and it's actually interesting because a lot of times I don't even think about these things so like when someone asks me I'm like what do I say <laughs> yeah so I loved having you uh Janelle is amazing I highly recommend if you're in Maine yeah. please um hit her up and have her take all of the lovely magical photos <laughs> and where can we find you on Instagram and then your website and everything sure yeah so my instagram handle is just janelle lyford photo so it's j-a-n-e-l-l-e-l-y-f-o-r-d photo and then um, my website is janelle lyford photography.com okay homies i hope this helps you with today tonight or tomorrow talk to you soon <laughs>